Holiday. Cool. Sweet. Yo. Hey guys, let, let me know. Let me know if you need me to move. No, Um, no. if there's too, if it's too loud, I'm. No, I'm. Not, you're loud and clear, man. Um, Sweet. I'm. I'm so happy to be talking with you again and to have you as the first person on the rebrand of my podcast. By the way, my podcast is called Making Mind. Um, nice. And originally, it was just me. Supposed to be me just talking about stuff that mm -hmm. I knew. And I did about five or six episodes and I was trying to really hard to make it a video podcast, but the workflow just took a little bit too long for me to keep up with it. Um, but I think this has been in the cards as far as having a podcast that allows me to capture some of the awesome conversations that I have with awesome people like you. And I think it would well, be it's, beneficial for people. It's to an honor to be the first one. um yeah. and like you were the first one on on the big quit energy that's one. right so, uh yeah i'm happy to to i guess to uh not repay the favor as much as just uh you know have a little full circle moment here yeah no it definitely feels nice to talk to you you know we were talking a little bit before we hit record and you're just a really good conversationalist i think you ask good questions you're a good listener at least when it comes to this uh this domain as far as when we're in the when you're in this capacity um and you have big quit energy that's your big sub stack and there was this one word that you use a lot that actually I wrote down a couple of questions and this was my first question which is work humper <laughs> you probably know what I'm going to ask like why that word and where did it come from and what does it mean for you yeah okay i love yeah let's jump right into it um i can already tell this is going to be a a great experience for me like an exercise in uh stress testing like what i do on that blog and the yeah. terms i use because i'm not going to lie to you i I feel like a lot of the term, even the name, Big Quit Energy itself, yeah, it kind of just like, I chose them because they sounded funny and it came. And now I sort of look back and, and I see what like the blog has evolved to. And, mm. and I think like, this might not be like the best fit, but I mm. like, but I still like the name and I like the term work humper and it's funny and it makes me laugh. So I like want to keep it. Um, but work humper specifically, I've been actually meaning to write at some point a post defining it more precisely. Yeah. Um, but in essence, work humper was just, I wanted like a term that was like, you know, a little funny, a little rebellious, mm -hmm. uh, because that's mm -hmm. what I thought the blog was going to be like. I don't think it's like quite that tone anymore, but mm -hmm. at first I wanted to like dunk on people while, you know, like some essays about work here and then just dunking on people like there and yeah. like, cause I kind of like that. Um, so back when it, I was going to be more back when that was the plan, mm -hmm. I, I don't even remember how work humper came to me, but it was, I think it's because in my personal life, sometimes when somebody was like really into something mm -hmm. to an excessive degree, I would say like, oh man, they're out here like, they love coffee so much. They're out here humping coffee. They're out here <laughs> humping this and that. 
So I thought, okay, work humper. And to me, work humper mm. was just somebody who, um, who I would say glorified working work mm. ethic yeah. to an excessive degree. And that's where that's like true. the post being more precise about it is something I feel like I need to do even for myself mm -hmm. because something I've been realizing or running into just in general with big quit energy is that I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's not a bad thing, right. To like care about what you do, put a lot mm. of time and effort into it. Right. And I don't think it's necessarily fair to be like, Oh, Keith works on his novels and his videos all the time. And look mm. how he's such a work humper. Cause I don't consider you a work humper. It's more right. the difference. I think a work humper becomes a work humper. Not when they're putting effort into what they care about, but when they're maybe trying to, when maybe the effort becomes the point mm. and, and they're out here making, and, and, and especially when they're very publicly Right. Kind of rubbing in everybody's face with mm. the sort of under underlying um, um, objective of making other people feel bad if they're not I quite see. putting as much work. And, and the it. underlying objective of like building yourself up by just how much you by just displaying how much effort and time you're putting into it. Right. Building your status up that way, as opposed to just like. Hey, I wrote this book. I put a lot of effort into it. I care about it a lot. And mm -hmm. maybe you're just trying to, we're all trying to get status one way or another, but maybe right. like, Hey, I, I hope this book is useful for you. I hope you like it. Right. But for a work humper, it's not so much about the book. It's like, look how much time I spent writing this book. And like, there's no excuse. You could have written four books by now. If you just like fucking woke up an hour earlier. So to it's me, that's flex. kind of a work humper. Yeah. It's or like at, at, an yeah. at the office, the person who uh, at, mm. at the office is maybe trying to do the rallying speeches and calling people out mm. um, and like very outwardly performing that I like I'm out here grinding. But no one I don't know, but like. You're not even sure, like, what is the job that they do or like if you exactly. were to actually compare like, hey, what have you actually done? Yeah. I hate to say to help the company because I hate that phrase. But, you know, what have mm -hmm. you done? Um, it, it, you could very, you, you it, it would be a possibility that the work humper has produced way less than like the person who like leaves Absolutely. to pick up their kids at 4 p.m. every day and gets basically side-eyed by the work humper. Right. So that, I, I hope that answered your question. I, I, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I wish I remembered how that came up. No. But it just good. probably around the same time that I was workshopping names and then i was like oh, mm. big quit energy you know kind of sounds like big you know d energy yeah yeah, yeah. no i got you goes hand in hand so that's what it like that's that. what it uh <laughs> what came to my mind and, and when you make your, and when you defined work humper this mm -hmm. name came to mind gary v gary vaynerchuk yep, yep 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 this kind of hustle culture cheerleader which you know there's nothing to take away from what he's done and what he's built but it's just a lot of his content, a lot of his stuff, because and I'm saying this as someone who used to like closely follow his stuff, especially when I was yeah. getting started several years ago. Um, it sounds like someone who really internalizes hustle culture that 
is definition of a war comfort. Is that right? I would agree. Yeah. I mean, he is the poster child, even in my mind, because yeah, I write this series of slacker movie reviews and I like mm. to have a ver I like to have a section in one where I pretend I'm somebody who's super into the hustling, like and I write like a paragraph in their voice. Yeah. So because of that, Gary V is is the person I choose a lot. <laughs> and I've watched like way more of his videos than I probably had in my entire mm -hmm. life. Yeah. Um and I think he does, although I, I guess I will say that like his later videos, it's interesting mm -hmm. to see how he's aware, I think, of the of like what people say about him. Absolutely. And yeah. in his in his later videos, he um he goes a little bit further to put in caveats to say, like, hey, you yes. know, like yeah. I, I do I will say this about him. I'll give him some credit that I probably wouldn't have given him a few weeks ago. I think he legitimately enjoys like living the life his life the way he does i think oh, he absolutely. like really gets joy out of like insane work schedules mm -hmm. and i do. think yeah. that the only thing that's obnoxious about him is that he he will sort of turn it into a character defect if you don't do the same absolutely and, he, and, and even though now he's like no hey this is just for me and if you like just yeah, I'm putting words in it now, but it, if you just like being a loser and you're happy with that, good. Right. Great. But but to him in his mind, you're still a loser if you're not like uh, you're not hustling, you're not you're building, not, you're not on social all the time, you're not in so many yeah. channels. Yeah. And and I think that and I think like what I think what it would all it wouldn't even be so bad if he didn't so explicitly say like I didn't have any fun in my twenties. Like he loves right. saying that. Like I, know. I spent a whole decade um yeah only like working at whatever like my parents wine business and then yeah. building my hustle at, at, at night no friends didn't like that's mm -hmm. just dude, no one can go maybe I don't, I don't even believe he went I, I i he has to be exaggerating i mean maybe not but i can't even imagine how somebody could go a whole decade living their life like that and not go insane not like lose their mind yeah but anyway i don't know i don't know gary so maybe he did it and he's just maybe just cut in a very, very unique way. It's one of those narratives that I think is really popular to talk about because he's not the only one. I've definitely seen a lot oh, of people. No, I spend yeah. a lot of time on X these days, X Twitter. And yeah, I definitely see that narrative like no fun in the 20s, all hustle, all grind, read books, level up, get fit, whatever. And then yeah. now I'm a millionaire. I'm this or that. And yeah, I think there's there's something to be said about that imbalance like oh yeah. and it and it comes from a place that you're absolutely right that a lot of these people talking about this there's this message that i did this so if you're not doing this too then you're a loser then you know you're not going to reach your potential you're not going to optimize but you know a lot of these people just don't take into effect in into mind that some people's goals aren't their goals like mm -hmm. i have i personally i don't know about you i have no desire to like run a scaled multi-million dollar business to where I'm juggling VAs and, and producers and content makers and stuff like that. Some people do. Some right. people do. I That's personally not one of my goals. But right. I think a lot of these people like the Gary Vs and other people that I've seen, they, they assume that because they've reached a level of wealth and status that's very comfortable, it's relatively high. They assume everybody wants that. And that's just not the case. Yeah. And I, I, I want to like, I'll add to that, that 
again, I don't know. Sometimes with these personalities, it's hard to tell what's like, what part of their success mm. is real and what part is not. So, but I'm not accusing Gary V of being a fraud. For all I know, let's just assume that he, everything he says he's accomplished, he has. And like, I have no reason to believe he hasn't, yeah. right? Yeah, sure but is. I find him like, I find him like benign compared to like other people, like a Frank Cardone, who his videos are hilarious. If you like, want uh, like, not, I love. I'm this. not familiar with him. He's mm-hmm. like a, a friend of mine put me onto him because his company would pay sometimes Frank Cardone to give like pep talks at their company rallies and stuff. Oh, I see. But this guy, I I I pick out Frank Cardone because he, number one is. what he says i think is much more aggressive than gary v in terms of like Mm. frank cardone i think i'm quoting him almost directly he said things like if you if you don't make more than 400k a year then you're not a man he's like i wouldn't be able to like stare at my wife in the eye he's on like an andrew tate Uh, type of energy type of of shit so he says that but also he made his money it's unclear how he made his money and like i feel like he just probably he's in real estate Okay. Which like yeah. I don't know. I feel like you know he might have very well just lucked into some sort of I know some investment that went well for him, and he's turned that into like I got this rich because I, I hustle and I'm obsessed. And it's like that's it's people like that that are even worse. Where you're like, dude, you probably didn't even you just kind of got lucky. And like that's the thing. Like I know, yeah. There's so many people in this world who probably work just as hard as Gary B if not more and yeah. they don't get the same amount and they maybe want the same things he does and then they don't mm-hmm. get that because i'm Where sorry there's a lot of a lot of life is also luck Absolutely. you know not going to take away that you know it's like luck and being able to capitalize on it so like Absolutely. credit to gary v or whatever mm-hmm. for being able but he's still i'm sure he got some i mean not to make this about him but like he he talks about having worked in a convenience store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, worked his way up. But then yeah. you read into it, and it's like, dude, you, your family owned this. Right, store. exactly. Like, your dad owned you, the store. He right. had the and wine it, business. And it, that, doesn't yeah. mean, that doesn't mean that you didn't earn whatever you earned for yourself, but you're making it seem like you were in a worse exactly. position than you were. Like, yeah, they you know, make it sound like, like this hero's journey when they right. were given a sword and all of this armor and all these buffs right. before the course, the game even started and for yeah. someone else who's like yeah. a legitimately just like a clerk at 7-Eleven doesn't mm. is not related to the owner you know probably wasn't i'm sure his parents let him like well i think it's documented you know his parent he learned business from running running that store with his parents mm-hmm. you know right. his parents let him in taught him some stuff so it's not like it's just not such a clean fit story as he likes to make it seem where I think the, where it can become toxic is that somebody who's just a clerk at seven 11 is like, okay, if I just like grind, you know, they, they might think that the story should apply to them for these, these people, these guys, because it's Mm -hmm. mostly guys, they like, they try to make their story sound more heroic than they are. And so they sort of omit key details that, yeah, big uh, details. Yeah. That would then make then then you have other people feeling bad about themselves because like I worked at 7-Eleven and I don't own a multi-billion dollar business. Uh yeah. what's wrong with me? And it's like, well, dude, like mm-hmm. you actually did just worked at a at a convenience store. Nobody's right. helping you the way they gave like maybe Gary V some help. Like anyway. 
I, I so think about not, that. I, mean, yes, often. I think about that. You know, I, mean, I feel that. And I think about that often with people. Anytime I see somebody, especially when I like find them and I'm like, oh, that's impressive what they've done. Oh, or I want to learn from them. I mm -hmm. really dig into their backstory. And I want to say maybe 70, 80 percent of the time they had some huge advantage um, to start. They had a parent yeah. who was wealthy. They had a parent who had a nice profession that allowed them to get into a certain school early on and not taking away anything from those people. But you're right. They'll often they'll often have this narrative of, oh, I worked my way up. I clawed my way up sleepless nights and all the 20s were gone. No fun, no friends. And it was like, but you started with all this. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned in the last few years is just having the awareness that certain things are possible. Like yeah. you mentioned, like Gary Vee, like learning business from his father. I mean, that's that's not something the average person has, is watching mm -hmm. somebody run a successful business. Most people don't have that, um, at yeah. least not that direct experience. And so you already see like, oh, early on, I could run my own show. I don't need to like vector myself to get yeah. a job or whatever. Yeah. That's a huge shift that, and I'm saying that as somebody who started like that, I, I did not see, actually, I watched my parents run a very unsuccessful business. My, my mom was an Amway person. She did Amway mm -hmm. when I was coming up. And so yeah. I watched her do that for years and just, and, and she would, and, and looking back, it's just kind of heartbreaking because she would get so excited about this stuff. She, you know, she'd go listen to these tapes and motivational stuff, you know, pre Gary V this is audio cassette tapes. And right. Uh, yeah. It would just, she would get so excited, but then nothing would really happen. Nothing would change. We would get excited as kids and nothing would change. So I saw this growing up and it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth for right. anything entrepreneurial. Cause I was like, shit, if I go off and do something on my own, what if it ends up like this? That's all I saw. I didn't see, mm -hmm. you know, especially, you know, there was no internet that was in your face back then. It wasn't everywhere like it is now. So you can't just go online and see the success stories. It's like you either hear about them or you don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that shaped my, so it took me a long time to get out of that mindset to where, oh, I can have my own thing. It can be good. It doesn't have to be like she was doing it. So Anyway, I brought that up. Uh, just it's such, to... it's, no, it's it's such a good point. I feel yeah. like in many ways, I'm not out of that mindset either because I yeah I also did not grow up around on trip. My grandfather was, but um, he passed away. I was like still way too young to like kind of see how he worked. Right. And then my parents, everybody else, um, in my family is not. They're not necessarily business oriented. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of I, I guess I imagine like I'm, a lot of my family is they are creativity ish oriented. So mm -hmm. I, I do sometimes, I guess. I, I can I, I guess I can think of like for me, some seeing somebody who's good at business is something I didn't have. Mm -hmm. Then maybe something I, for example, was able to have that. I'm still surprised that like the average person sometimes is surprised at like how accessible maybe creative creative pursuits can be or exactly. a lot of people don't get that type of encouragement. Um, yeah. So I guess, you know, we all, I mean, it's an obvious thing to say, but I'll, we all grow up 
exposed to different things and being yeah. encouraged in different avenues. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah I, I'm kind of with you in that. I think you're, you've developed your entrepreneurship muscle way more than me, but, mm. um, I've, I definitely didn't, I, when I was growing up, I didn't see too many successful entrepreneurs and I was certainly not necessarily encouraged. Like, right. We, my family, and in a sense, a lot of like the culture I grew up with too, mm. look at entrepreneurship as like a yeah. little bit of like a reckless risk. Exactly. Yeah. We were like it's, risking it's too it risky. All. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Why would you go yeah. off and do your own thing when you can yeah. just go down the street, get a job, and get a job, and like, somebody will pay you to yeah. show up rather than taking a chance on doing whatever this is over here. Um, and, and it's a compelling yeah. argument. I mean, I don't think it's one is better than the other necessarily. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. Depends on how you want to live your life. You know, I wanted to ask you about Slacker Fest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the question was, why these movies? And what is, what's your goal in exploring these films? Yeah, thanks. I love, yeah, I love, I'm, I'm happy to talk about Slacker Fest. Um, so I, I will step back and say that um, I like writing scripts a lot, like screenplays. Mm. I've written um, maybe five or six in my life. I, I this is, I'm writing, a, I wanted to write a Slacker one, or once I started Big Quit Energy, I thought, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to take my, a stab at a Slacker movie. Mm-hmm. And it and it's the first script I've uh, written in about four years. I kind of like, wow. I went through a phase where I was writing one every year and then wow. kind of just fell off of that because working on other projects and, and work mm-hmm. and the day job and all that. Yeah. So um, it was kind of a, one of those situations where it's, I was sitting one day and thinking, Hey, I've, I'm enjoying writing and exploring about work culture there is kind of like this genre of movies that are kind of like about that. It'd be yeah. cool to try that out. And so when I write screenplays, when I've done it in the past, a part of the process that I've always enjoyed is um, watching movies that are in genres and subject matters that are similar to what I'm trying to write, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of soaking them in, analyzing them. Um, I don't know, just kind of seeing like, Oh, what did they do that I liked? What did they do mm-hmm. that I didn't? Um, so I was it felt natural to do that with this, but mm. um I figured, well, I'm writing on this blog. Yeah. Um, and I've always been somewhat in, in, intrigued by the concept of working in public. Mm. Um yeah. people love doing that, you yeah. know, like um doing live streams while they're like drawing a picture or mm-hmm. absolutely um but it always struck me as hard to do while writing a screenplay and it's such a long process or at least it takes me a long time right yeah and if who wants to see someone type but then i thought <laughs> you know i could kind of kill two birds with one stone here and like mm. for every movie i watch or for not necessarily all the movies but for like the ones that are the most interesting right I'm going to write these notes anyway. I might as well organize them a little bit more, having them be like a touch more polished mm. and publish them as um, as kind of cultural criticism on the wow. blog as well, right? Um, so that's how that came about. Um, and I will say, I was thinking about this the other day. 
I do think it's forced me to be even more thoughtful because yeah. it's one thing to jot stuff down for yourself and things and another to be like, oh man, people are gonna have to read this. Like it has mm-hmm. to make some sort of sense. Exactly. Um, so I actually think it's forced me to think even harder. Um yeah. and I've I've kind of uh it's been more rewarding and gratifying than I thought, even though I will admit. I think from a writing standpoint, it's some mm-hmm. of the worst posts. Like I, sometimes I, I like I was looking back at one of the Lebowski one, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, oh my god, like this is written horribly. Like what is going on? Because I, I, I try to balance like not being yeah. too precious about it, all being like super well written and being like mm-hmm. just ship it, just ship it. Yeah, because um, in a sense, some posts are meant to maybe be more cutting and be more right. like the writing needs to be more on point, and then the slacker fest ones are more about like here's some loose thoughts somewhat like categorized um, um but yeah that's how it's it's helped me come and I, and I and honestly like i'm probably i'm probably gonna do maybe two or three more i'm coming toward the end to toward mm-hmm. the end of the run here and right and um i'm like itching to just like focus more just on writing trying to write this story but it's hard it's hard to like put quite into words, but mm-hmm. having looking now at the movies in aggregate, mm. I'm starting to realize I, I feel like I've come to some conclusions and learned about slacker, the, the genre of slacker movies in mm. a way that I don't think I would have if I hadn't had to write about it publicly. Um, mm. And um, yeah, it's been cool, but that's always one of honestly like. That's always sort of my one of my favorite parts of writing scripts is like the script might come out good or not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Some have come out better than others. Um, but the 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 sort of research part, the delving into a genre, especially mm-hmm. and um and and uh kind of learning or figuring out for myself what are like the what are the tropes and the hitting assumptions and almost like the unspoken mm. assumptions in the genre? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I did this, I did this for rom-coms six or seven years ago oh. and it was, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about. <laughs> Man, I would you know, love to see that. Those write-ups. Man. I know. Like I, it's too bad. I wasn't writing a blog back then, but like, I remember I, I mean, this sounds like, this sounds sort of like crazy, but I feel like if nothing else, it helped me like, have better relationships mm. to just like dive into the rom-com right. genre and mm. realize like, man, like there are all these assumptions and ways of portraying people that are like Absolutely. fun, but like kind of not reflective of reality. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah. and I think that would maybe with the slacker genre, it, it's been, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's been, um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that everybody who's ever made a slacker movie has this agenda to like help, uh enlighten us on like being able to like oh not freak out no we have no structure but i just think like i do believe sometimes i really believe in in that when people make art they're sometimes giving messages without even meaning to like subconsciously and i think that in i think that there is probably something that everybody if you have like felt it in yourself to go out and make a slacker movie people like that probably have something in common like common like Right. hang-ups or common like uh, subconscious like desires or drives or grievances that are maybe common um and Absolutely. so 
it's my that's my really long-winded way of saying that I think I've come to tease out maybe like some of like what all of these like filmmakers who have made slacker movies maybe had in common or yeah. in their thinking. Um so yeah, it's been cool. I I I I guess I don't know if all of that has really necessarily come out in the pieces themselves, but I do think enough insight has come out that I'm like, it's been, I guess it was worthwhile too for the audience. I hope it was. Right. I know some mm -hmm. people get kicks out. There is like a weird subset of people who subscribe, who I think only like those. Like yeah, they're like yeah. the minority. And then everybody yeah. else seems it's to like, like not like engage with yeah, them at all. These, those, uh, so I, I can imagine they're, in a, they're an acquired <laughs> taste. And I, yeah. it, it got me thinking about how popular <laughs> these movies were. Like, I don't know how exactly how old you are, but I know when I was coming mm. up, these movies were everywhere when I was a kid. Mm. Half-baked clerks. Yeah. Yep. Um, there was this song, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's called Slacker by Tech Nine. No. I don't I, know if you've ever heard I'm gonna write it. That it down. Is an I'm actually gonna awesome write that down. Song. I'm a slacker. Every time I have a lot of dough, I'm a slacker. Slacker, slacker. It goes something like that. Every time I take a look around, it's it's got a I'm a product of Reaganomics, ironic. It's on it, it, it's yeah. really it's really good. But it just it, and it got me thinking, like, even like go back to some of those 80s movies to where mm -hmm. these were the anti-heroes and the backlash or the the reaction to the conservatism, you know, post-World yes. War II's conservatism. Their kids yes. saw that their parents were the straight-laced life, the white picket fence, you know, the, the Pax Americana. And by the time they come of age in the 70s and 80s, of course, you have, you know, you have all these cultural changes happening, civil rights movement, feminism, all this stuff in the 60s. And then you get to the 70s and 80s and everybody's like, fuck that shit. Like, yeah, my parents worked for the man. They worked for the farm, and I think back to some of those older movies. There's so many up to the '90s when I was a kid. Um, that you know, there's there's still echoes of that. You know, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go my own way. The Matrix, you know, yes. 1999, a huge, yes. you know, a flag now considered. I see so many quotes. I see a Matrix reference like once a day probably it, yeah. it's just so revered at this point but yeah it was it was a slacker movie it was he starts out in a cubicle farm and yes yes he takes the pill and then he's out you know and then all of a sudden it's this new world so it just got me thinking how popular those films were and that 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 time period what it was you are on to something in the sense that I considered writing a post about this, but I don't know if it's that interesting for a post. So it's perfect for our conversation. There was like the matrix is like, yeah. it's definitely an anti-work movie. I mean, I don't yeah. think the term even was used back then, but like, if you would no. look back, yeah, the matrix fight club, uh, American <laughs> beauty. Club. Yes. Um, American beauty. And yeah. then office space, office which space. is a slacker oh. movie, right? Oh, those all came out movie. i think the same year or within like two years of each other very close where i, I thought like man like 98 99 was like the peak of anti-work kind of like films right right but you're right like the the decade that preceded it was like there was so many mm -hmm. and then they kind of um stopped yeah probably I think so. um 
or at least the the intensity. So Harold and Kumar was like 2004. Yeah. Which I will be writing about Harold and Kumar, but oh yes. As a preview, like I, I like I enjoyed Harold and Kumar. Me too. Yeah. But Harold and Kumar is like much safer. It's like even even by like the mid two thousands, the quote unquote slacker movies that came yeah. out were much more like in just like potheads who eventually do conform. They more. conform, right? Um. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now it's interesting because I have the next movie I've been trying to write about. I I haven't been able to do it justice, but basically of the three movies left that I'm going to write about, one was from back in that era, like 2002. And then Mm -hmm. the other two are 2019 and 2021. And I feel like the, so one is like the beach bomb with Matthew McConaughey, which I watched with really low expectations, but actually it's like a very interesting kind of like, maybe even critique of the slacker genre. It's it's mm. almost like if you remade The Big Lebowski, but it's just Matthew McConaughey, like, mm. drunk in the Florida Keys. It's a weird... And then this other one is... um, It's called Actual People, and I'm not even sure the filmmaker would consider it a slacker movie, but... Mm. um, But it's interesting to see... I don't know if the genre is making a comeback... But it's interesting to see like people try to like start to bring it back a little bit again. Mm. And I have seen like for what it's worth on YouTube, a lot of videos that like are like analyze old, you know, slacker movies from a Mm -hmm. a couple decades ago. Yeah. And they're saying like, you know, we're primed for like Gen Z needs its own slacker movie, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And Gen Z, I mean, they're, they get, they get demonized as such a slacker generation. I know. Right? I mean, um, so I mean, we got we got demonized. We, man. Yeah. Are you? Do you consider yourself millennial? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah millennials yeah. got demonized, but like, uh-huh. yeah. Now it's almost like people. It's almost like you thought we were bad, like Gen. But I, I respect it. I like and Gen Z is like my hero when it comes to that. Um, but they do. Um, so I don't know. I think. What I like about trying to write a movie, a, gen, uh, a slacker movie now, mm. is like maybe it's like whether anything comes out of it or not, it's like my grain of sand and like this little thought exercise of like, what's like a, do, you know, are we primed for like slacker movies to make a little bit of a comeback? And if so, mm-hmm. what will they look like today? Because right. I guess I, I didn't even, I failed to mention the whole, the whole, like beginning question for even trying to write a slacker movie was Mm. that as much as I love the genre, I noticed like not super, like not super, the archetype isn't super broad in its interpretations. Mm. Um, I actually came in thinking like that they were all about white men, that the slackers were all white men. That's actually Mm. not true. Mm. Friday, wonderful movie. I had forgotten about it. I loved your Friday write up Uh, by the way. Thank you. I thought it was awesome. Thanks. Yeah, that one like that. That one did come out uh, pretty good. I'll, I'll give myself that. I credit. loved it. I, um, I read the whole thing and I was like, man, I haven't seen. I was like, how does he know this movie so well? But then I was like, okay, he probably rewatched it. And of course, yeah, I definitely pretty, rewatched it. But I was like, man, I haven't seen it in a long time. But that's yeah, part of been the fun too is like rewatching these movies. Uh, yeah. or in, in, in a lot of cases, I think in the case of Friday, I had only seen bits and pieces. I had never mm-hmm. seen it. You know, it's one of those movies that. Someone always has on and you know the scene, some scenes and you like come to love it. And then you're like, wait a minute. I'm not sure I've ever seen like the beginning of this movie. Right. Or never sat, you know, all the way. through. Um, Yeah. 
But where was I going with this? Oh, so, you know, you have, I mean, Friday, but honestly, not that many, like, no movies with, like, female slackers. Dang. Until, like, literally, yeah. like, I think the first one that I can think of was 2002, and, like, the genre was kind of already dying. Um, or at least going to sleep and taking a break, right? Yeah. Um, so... It, it, I think it's an interesting it'll be interesting to see like if when especially when Gen Z people if they if they if Gen Z filmmakers make slacker movies how mm. they would be different because you're right I think you nailed it I think it was like a reaction to like Reaganomics and like mm. that sort of version yeah. of work humping because it kind exactly. of was like I mean they took work ethic and again it's like taking stuff that like has a kernel of truth to it that like right. yeah you know like putting sustained attention and mm -hmm. and being resilient and being yeah. consistent does bring right. good things in life but they took that you, you take like these kernels of truths mm -hmm. and you sort of warp them they to just bash people mm -hmm. yep. you know and and to justify like i don't know taking away the social safety net and like screwing right. people over right mm -hmm. so you're right it was like this backlash against um against that and then and i think in a way ironically our generation Mm -hmm. For as much as we get maligned, millennials for being quote unquote lazy, mm -hmm. I feel like if anything, we were like work humpers. Like we like bought yeah, into yeah. like meaning and a career and like yeah. And definitely. I think that this is I think that you do see the new backlash, and it's not. Right. I mean, anti work Reddit was launched in 2018 for mm -hmm. a reason. Like it's out right. in the air, so I think we're due for um a slacker move for a movement of of new slacker movies. I would. I would feel privileged if the one I'm writing ended up being one of those. Um, but even if it's not, uh, at least it's a good thought exercise for me to think about these things um, and how they show up in culture. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, sorry, I was I hadn't finished like the point I was trying to make, which is like that wave in the 90s. That was mm -hmm. a backlash against like that. Let's just call it Reaganomics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, um, you know. No, you can't cover all bases at once. I think right. in, the, in the movies that kind of like backlashed against that were a little bit narrow in uh, mm -hmm. in who they gave permission, quote unquote, to slack and who they didn't. Definitely. And for sure. I think I thought it was going to be honestly, I was pleasantly surprised at how inclusive. Relatively speaking, they were of like non-white identities. Mm -hmm. But I was uh, on the other hand, I was like. Uh, one of my big conclusions is like, man, like, honestly, women, like, yeah. in every movie, like, the voice of reason is a woman. The woman right. is the, the yeah. is the one who has their shit together and is getting yeah. the slacker to get his shit together. And like, right. it's a big burden, <laughs> you know. Like, no, they don't. <laughs> when like, do they? When do they get to slack off? Exactly. Yeah. No. Exactly. Like, I mean, if you watch, <laughs> if you rewatch Clerks and even like the ones that approximate like Rosario Dawson and Clerks too. Mm. She's kind of a slacker, but you see like that, like Dante, the main slacker, he just, they don't feel the need to explain away why he's the way he is. But with her, right. it's like, no, but her dad's sick. And that's right. why she works in fast food. She, she had to like drop off. I mean, she was, story. she was in college. She was like, yeah. you know, it's like women for whatever reason, whenever they put a woman, a woman who's like somewhat of a slacker, they need mm. to like, justify it and mm. try to and let the audience know like this is not her choice to be this she does not want to be like this that's interesting uh, which is why, interesting. why yeah. do you why do you think that is i have a theory but i want to hear your theory uh okay i want to hear your theory but let me 
I guess like a knee jerk one. It's kind of embarrassing that I don't have a theory when like having like after reading this uh writing this whole series, but I don't know. I mean I I I think if I had to answer right this minute, right this second, I would say that um in general, risk taking Mm. And I do think in a way, living the life of a slacker, the way it's depicted in yeah. these movies is a bit of a risk Absolutely. in that, yeah. like, you render yourself unemployable and, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially in America, like you're always yeah. like a step from starvation yeah. and destitution, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at it that way, uh, just risky behavior in general has always been extra risky for or at least has been cast as extra risky for women. I mean, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Not to, I always think about like, like, uh, you know, whatever, like sex and like, oh, absolutely, yeah. goofing around. Mm-hmm. Um, having an unwanted pregnancy is it's devastating for a guy. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, whether you like it or not, guys can always kind of walk away. Women are stuck absolutely. with it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And. Not to mention that, like, society is just always more ready to make sure women uphold their responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And the punishment is always harsher when they don't, mm-hmm. like with abortion and stuff. Not let's, let's not super get into that, but it's just right. like one example, right? No, I got So you. I think that maybe, um, I think that may, I, I think that maybe because it's always been, I don't want to make like sweeping generalizations mm-hmm. because. I was going to say it's always been riskier for women to behave outside the norms. Mm-hmm. But I will at least couch that in saying as a culture, we've always made it riskier for women to behave outside the norms. So I think that maybe yeah. if I'm pretending to be in Kevin Smith's head as he was making clerks too, mm-hmm. he honestly might've been thinking like, man, like people are going to judge this character. Right. Just the fact that she's a woman, they're going to judge her. They're not going to accept her behavior. Mm. Um. Mm. So maybe I'm trying to do everybody a favor by kind of giving her some extenuating circumstances where people are much more willing to look at uh, a male slacker and be like, "Well, boys will be boys. He'll right. He'll mature at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's just kind of the way people in I guess I'll just say in America or whatever. But like, it's just kind of the way people like even approach their kids." You just tolerate certain behaviors from boys more than you do girls. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope that we kind of like, that's one thing I would, even if it blows up in my face, like one of the resolutions I have for writing the movie I'm going to write is like, it's going to be a woman and she's going to be fucking brazenly unapologetic. Um, and yeah. part of what I've been trying to figure out is like how brazen to make it before I mm. lose the audience completely. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I had toyed around with like, yep, she's a new mom and she refuses to work. And then now I'm like, nah, people might not. That mm. might be a, like a bridge too far. Right, right. Um, Even for, but I'm trying to push that in part because I think Good it's in, an interesting, no, Good I think it's you. an interesting Absolutely. Um, yeah. exercise, but also because, yeah, you know, like, yeah, I do think part of uh, maybe getting to a more equitable relationship between genders, whatever is like, yeah um to have everybody have the same amount of optionality i guess mm, but yeah so I, i'm sorry that that was like a long-winded answer but like i guess yeah my theory one. is just that like filmmakers can't help themselves maybe they don't like it to be this way but i think that 
when you're making, especially because movie making is like usually done as a team, you know, you always mm -hmm. have a lot of different voices. I could, I'm sure that even if maybe Kevin Smith is like, let's make her a slacker counterpart. There's mm -hmm. like voices, whether it's in his head or in the production that are like, let's make her, yeah. she's like a little too unlikable like that. Mm -hmm. And and, and, I, and probably no one even, even question like, wait, why, why is that making her unlikable? They just kind yeah. of feel it and they know it probably accurately that like, mm -hmm she would get judged and be less sympathetic unless right. we gave her attenuating circumstances. And she's like one of the just, she's one of those rare movies, Rosario Dawson in that movie is one of the rare examples where they even tried to have somebody kind of mm -hmm. like slap her yeah. like in most yeah. movies, like Office Space and- Office um, Space, yeah. And a bunch of the other ones. In Office Space, Jennifer Aniston is just, she spends the whole movie being like, what are you doing? Come on, right. like, just have a job. Be responsible. Right. You know? Yeah. So most get movies, like women, are just like the nags who are like mm -hmm. there to get you on track. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my theory pretty much echoes yours. I had this kind of notion of, at the end of the day, we as men and society in general still want to protect women, and mm. not just physically. It's this kind of, you know, how can we make her be like this? Mm -hmm. You know, how can we make her into a true slacker? First of all, it's it's hard to find um, an example of that. And I think you and I both as writers, you know, you strive to make your characters real first before yeah. relatable. You want them to be relatable, but you want them to be real because you want people that read the character or watch the character to to identify with it. Yes. So if you make a character that is, you know, like you said, she's a single mom that just chooses not to work. I don't know many. Yeah, you're putting many, like a child's livelihood at risk. Exactly. At least that's the way it would read. Right? I don't exactly. know many yeah. women who commit to you know they want to keep the baby and all this stuff, and if they're in a single parent situation, they don't want to work. Like I don't, I I don't know any. And right. so that would be a difficult. And I know it's just an example, but I'm just using it as an example. So I could see like especially back in the 90s and 80s when a lot of these movies were coming out, there wasn't as much conversation around around gender equality it just wasn't nobody was talking about it as much right and so they're like we don't want to make this woman look like this just because one it doesn't make sense two there's still this kind of desire at the end of the day to protect the the reputation the mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the sensibility of a woman and i i go back to that because you know we're not needed as much as physical protectors anymore but this role of especially when you're in a position like you've been i've been you're writing a female character i've written several you've written several you there are certain lines you definitely want to explore but there's definitely other lines where it's like okay maybe this is a bridge too far you know like maybe because and, and that's with male characters as well but i feel like with female characters there's certain scenarios that i don't know how you think about it but i think okay this is a little bit too too hot to handle even for me yeah and it's kind of like yeah i mean you're you're right and then obviously i think it goes without saying that all of these filmmakers we're talking about were men yeah. are men yeah um i think i i was able to find one movie in the slacker genre made by a woman Mm. And wow. and it's and I'm not even sure she meant it as a slacker movie to be honest. Um. Well, I guess the sweetest thing, which I'm not writing about, because I don't think it's a slacker movie, was written. But 
I, I was going to do like a shorter throwaway post. But in general, no, it's mostly men doing these movies. Yeah. And you're right. Maybe they do feel subconsciously or not like as whether it's a duty to protect mm-hmm. like the reputation of their character, of their fictional characters. Or right. Maybe the actress playing the 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 movie because you know actors like felicia from friday catches shit like the actress catches i, I shit remember in real reading life about it, i remember reading crazy yeah. yeah yeah i did not when know yeah thinking, you learn all this that's pretty crazy that's part of the pleasure too of doing these like yeah 20 30 years after is that thanks to the internet you can, you can sometimes get like kind of like trivia like uh of like where are like what's life for all these people now mm-hmm. um so you're right it, it is that and it's funny because ironically, I mean, like I'm talking about writing this and I'm also a man, mm-hmm. but I have yeah. like, I think part of it too is like, I will, once I have a uh, a draft, I don't know, I haven't figured out where I'll find this person, but I, I kind of want to bring a co-writer into it who mm-hmm. ideally would have the same background as uh, the main characters. Her name mm-hmm. is for now is Sirena. Mm-hmm. Or at least a similar background, because one of those things is like where, because when something that might feel like, man, that's a bridge too far for for me, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They might think like, no, actually, I want to push it that hard, and I feel, but it's sometimes hard to tell when, when you're not, when you haven't had that exact right same when you don't have right? the objective, um, yeah. Feedback. So, I think the people who talked me out of making her a single mom. Might have been all men. No, they might have been. <laughs> I think I might have asked like a woman. But yeah, that's an interesting question. I think I will mm-hmm. like when I when I have like a bad draft and I if I hopefully I can find somebody to either be a co-writer or like sure. whatever, at least like a collaborator. Yeah. That will be the first thing I'll actually bring up is like I had thought about making this person just like a newly single mom uh, and see what their thoughts were on it. Because if right. they were like, you know what, I think we should just push it, fuck it. Yeah, I would be. I would think that that's hilarious and that we should try. But for now, uh, right now, I think in the <clears throat> the draft that we're talking right now, as of today, mm-hmm. she does not have a child, mm-hmm. but she has a younger sibling who the family uses sort of as a cudgel to make her feel bad. Oh, so see. for now, I think like that's like a nice, I like that, yeah. somewhat compromise for now. Yeah, but I kind of wanna. I think it is like. Um, I was reading a book on screenwriting by someone I know personally and, and respect, mm. but they, they are of the mind that you should never write about that. The, that if you're going to write about a certain identity, the writer should be of that identity. Uh, right? And I, I, and I, I just like choose, this. I choose to not I push back. Yeah. On this. I am choosing, they might be right, but I am choosing to not agree with that because I'm I like, disagree. I want to write this movie. I'm sorry. I want to yeah. write I and don't I want to like stretch my thinking and, and part of like what I like about writing is stretching your empathy. Absolutely. I get where they're coming from. Yeah, I do. I do. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, I can just kind of imagine what it's like, but they don't actually necessarily do the not to be a work humper on, you know, as well, but they don't do the work right. to sort of really look into what this person's Absolutely. experience is like. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I like to think I would like to think that if I bring in people who share that experience and bring them in as collaborators and Mm -hmm. i can i can try to do it justice um but anyway i i am a little bit nervous about that i'm not gonna lie like it'd be easier if this was it'd be easier if this was like i'm latino so like 
let's say I made it like a Latino guy or whatever, mm-hmm. it'd be easier. Of course. Yeah. But honestly, this whole slacker fest exercise, I'm like, there are just no, there's just no women. Like there's there right. like Cheech is a Latino slacker, but the lack of exploration that's been done in, in casting women slacker right. made me think like, man, like yeah. I kind of think I want to like take this challenge on just to see yeah. what it what it would be like. Good for you. And also because I a guiding question was who is the person that American society would least likely tolerate slacking? Mm. And true. A, being a woman mm. I think is definitely part of that definition for the I reasons we've just so. talked about. Yeah, um, absolutely. And Sirena is like a Latina immigrant woman <laughs> and I'm like that's the part that like that's it that's like oh the, man that's gonna make heads explode Ooh, man I'm, I'm already thinking of like how does she become a slacker <laughs> like as an immigrant latina woman like ooh, i, 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 I struggle backstory yeah. that you put behind it yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to figure that out i did i have like talked to people about the immigrant side of it because i was like i like that seems un. it seems unreal it's not, it's, not an, it's not an immigrant who came into the country like i i came in like on my mom's student visa and we stopped right, by disney right. world on the way here you know yeah it's comfortable right but no i was like no she's gotta like come she comes crossing in. The, the the rio grande like, right hardship yeah but i i feel a little bit better about that in that a friend of mine who studies immigration like he mm. he shares that background but he also studies it he made a good point which is like usually the a lot of times the people who you, you do have to have a certain amount of money to be able to cross, even yeah. if you're crossing like, yeah, the you know, you got to pay like somebody to help you cross and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so it's usually people who are. I'm not going to say well off, but who like maybe have a little bit something wrong for them and they reasons. see and they see the situation maybe getting worse. Right. Uh, and so they're like, we got to go before mm-hmm. it gets even worse while we have some means. Right. So it's plausible to say, for example, have like the character in in the movie I'm writing, especially because if her parents forced her to come or her mom or right. whatever, it's possible for her to think like our life wasn't that bad. I had it nice to, mm. you know, a teen or a, like a young adult, maybe not seeing it the same way that her parents did. Anyway, I feel right. less bad. I feel like it's more plausible to, for somebody to be, especially if they're coming here, not of their choice right to like take that attitude that to me is more plausible than someone who just had a baby <laughs> refusing to work i know uh, i was like man, uh, honestly ma- male or female to be uh, honest yeah more male or female you got a new uh, kid you're you're doing well, I guess you do you see it. unfortunately you do see males uh example i know like, yeah you do but see but it. still but no but i mean but that, even those are like vastly in the minority like rare yeah. even most males i know who like i know even in my family like people who were slackers God bless them. And then they had kids and then they, they yeah. shed that. So, yeah. so it's, uh, anyway, it's fun. I I've enjoyed, I'm enjoying kind of almost like doing some of this thought process with you live. Like as I know, man, out. it's, it's good. But, yeah. And I love that you're actively like thinking about these questions. Cause I, I just did a space this morning about how people can use AI to write their books. And I don't know what your mm. writing process is, but one of the things we talked about is AI's current tendency to nerf hard stuff. To, you nerf. know, if you want to. Can you explain that? Nerf is like 
just make it softer, like make it more oh, oh, palatable. Oh, oh, nerf like the nerf the toys. I yeah, like the turn. <laughs> I'm yeah, going to so steal that. They nerf, they defang, they declaw yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. the the action, the plot, the intent of it. They turn it into a softer kind of blow. And and they do this for a lot of different reasons to, you know, deter bad actors and they don't want to be right, 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 for, right, 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 right. You know, these people writing or doing stuff that's going to harm somebody else, but when you're a writer like us who really wants to explore a different scenario or somebody else's experience or whatever it makes yeah. it really difficult to tell like real stories that real people feel and real people experience and yeah yeah i feel like you're you're going there with it and i think as writers we ha we have to go there i mean good writers have yeah. to go there it, with it it's funny because what you said about you know before you make a you have before you make a a character relatable you have to make them real yeah i think it's so true although yes. i hear the word real when i hear you say it i hear like real doesn't necessarily mean common right. or like that exactly that everybody's like that no but that like not. but it's so it's it's in a way it's like you're trying to make somebody that people feel identified with and at the same time I think mm. exploring some sort of dangerous territory right. that is real in the sense that it's like maybe things people have thought about or wish they could do. Absolutely. Uh, but that yeah. it, that they find a little dangerous or extreme. Mm -hmm. um, so it is, I mean, take almost any movie, like, you know, Big Lebowski. It's a dude who bowls, has friends, but like... Um, doesn't work doesn't pay his rent i have like, not lives, lives, lives i have not seen that movie and i see so many people like yeah. reference it and they're gonna, I, I, i've got to watch it because yeah well, just... i mean or i mean you, you could say friday like it's like yeah all the slacker movies in their own way but i mean you take almost any movie like right the matrix you said it mm -hmm. it starts with a dude in a cubicle but then yeah. he like decides to just stop just subscribing to this reality right you know what i mean he um, just leaves yeah so it, it's like, uh, and I think we're AI, whether it's AI or your typical studio notes or your typical right. yeah, client, whatever. marketing client, they do have a tendency to nerf in the sense of being like, well, I like that the guy works in an office and that's relatable, mm -hmm. but like, would he really, is it really realistic or is it really relatable that somebody, you know, unplugs from the grid and mm -hmm. starts fighting? And it's like, dude, it's not. Not to like, I, I'm not here to throw shade on that, right. but I think what sometimes people miss and what AI misses is that when you're, mm -hmm. when you're writing things that you want, especially if you want them to stand out, yes. you got to give yeah. people like a, a side of a character, like a character has to feel, people need to identify with them, but mm -hmm. they also need to not, they need right. to, exactly. like, there's got to be a side to the character that is like aspirational yeah. or a little bit nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you get that perfect combination of like i could be like this person but this person on screen is doing this crazy stuff that i mm -hmm. would never so like i am just to give ideally people maybe look at cdn and they're like i i'm an immigrant or i came from immigrant parents or my mm -hmm. parents just have that kind of immigrant attitude of 
working and getting by. I like that. I like but that. she's yeah. kind of like spitting in the face of all that. Right. Uh, I think that, I don't know. I guess that was my long about way of, of, of uh, expanding on your observation of like, it's tricky to come up with characters for it is for fiction because you're, they got to feel like relatable yet at the same time they, there has to be something about them that's um that's a little bit whether it's weird or aspirational or offbeat or quirky or or just unreal i think or this is one of the, i think this is one of the reasons why the superhero genre has been so prominent the yes. last because that's exactly what it is you have everyday guy everyday girl average student average person and then all of a sudden yes. extraordinary power and yes universe threat multiverse world ending threat that they have to stop and that that uncommon side is very appealing because it's like whoa that's cool we don't you know spider-man mm -hmm. what would it be like to just fling between buildings and do these acrobatics and be able to have this kind of spidey sense but then at the same time he rushes over and he's back normal kid again. And everybody knows what it's like to get sweaty pits around the girl you like. Yeah. Be yep, awkward yep, in yep. class and not turning your homework. And everything. so it's this kind of balance between relatability and common, but then the uncommon of, man, this is yes. extraordinary. And what if, you know, it gets people thinking about that. Yes. Yes. And if, and if anything, uh, superhero movies have it quote unquote easy in that like yeah. your uncommon can be very discreetly yeah separated from the black movie. and but, white yeah but the but I will say the the movies the superhero movies I enjoy do they do the two worlds complicate each other Absolutely. which is fun yeah there's other there's other I mean I mean I feel like the old school Superman I don't even remember but like I feel like yeah. watching like they some they those those things used to be much more like mm -hmm. kind of contained from each other yeah, so i do enjoy yeah. i do enjoy that in at least a, in some of the superhero i think a lot of the spider-man movies do, do a good job of like yeah the blending their their superhero side sort of complicates their normal side right but they're still a normal side yeah yeah and then almost i don't know it makes and i guess it makes the audience feel like if, if if this could be me, if I got bitten by a exactly, spider, what if I got right. bit? Yeah. You know, like what yeah, if yeah. I got the powers? And and when you yeah. said when you said I liked when you said that blending, I immediately thought of the boys. Have you seen the boys? I don't know. I have not. Oh, okay. The boys is an awesome. It's a TV show, but okay. It's, oh, uh, somebody did tell me about this. Yes, it, it's very. It it's almost the slacker version of. It is the slacker <laughs> version, antithesis of the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, kind of productions. Basically, you have this group of people, they call themselves the boys. They are not superheroes, but they're in a world. Is The question that the boys ask is, what if superheroes really existed in the real mm. world that you and I both know? What if they had powers and they weren't so benevolent and things weren't black and white and all that stuff? And so they kind of play this out and it's the result is a mildly hilarious, very, very, very gory, very just heads getting splatted, all this shit. Um, just very explicit and at times graphic type of world. It's a very dangerous world, but they do that blending even among. So they have the superhero characters and the regular characters, but 
the superhero characters aren't just like, oh, we're superheroes and we're bad. You know, it's not mm -hmm. that easy. There's one, there's shades of this game. And The Boys does a really good job of portraying these people as regular people who have these kind of extraordinary powers, but then they have regular backstories too. Yeah. And I love that. It's super refreshing. I, I, super I refreshing. think I would really enjoy it. I know you I mean, would enjoy it. It, it, you, I, as you were saying that too, it made me think like, I mean, that insight I think is goes back to like, even like Greek epics, like, you know, yes. they have their pantheon of gods, but the gods all have like these very human like mm. flaws and they yes. get into dumb shit. Um, so I don't know. It's just funny. You're, you're right. I mean, it makes sense. Cause like the people who wrote those gods up yeah. are humans, you know, exactly. you can't help but yeah, you can't help but write characters with your own you know you got to make everybody i guess a little bit relatable if it's going to be any good well i feel like and that's the thing about writing i feel like if you write enough it's you writing it so your personality and your experiences are going to color what those characters are yes. so they they can't help but be human because you are human and you see everything through that lens yes. and you can't see and it through any other lens and like unsolicited writing advice for everybody from somebody who has not published or sold <laughs> anything. But I think one of I, I think you you need that has to apply to your villains too, right? I Absolutely. think like a big oh, mistake. Man. Yes. Um a big mistake I I made at first or mm. like is that uh your villain is also part of you. You every Absolutely. character in your story is part of your psyche one way or another. Absolutely. But I think if you but especially if you know that about your villains, I think you can make more interesting villains um, and more human kind of like, you know, your villain can't, it's almost like your villains shouldn't necessarily be bad people, quote unquote, bad exactly. people. Like, yeah, you've got um, to complicate it. Yeah. Yeah. They're like hurt people like that. And um, and that's part of what I, I really like about, even though writing stuff takes me so long and it's kind of, it's not necessarily the most rewarding profession in in terms of like oh, absolutely external not. rewards. Um, nope. The internal rewards are a lot because you, yes. I mean, it is, it's like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like psychotherapy in a way mm -hmm. uh, of like when you're trying to understand why your characters are doing what they're doing, villain right. and hero. And in a way it's just, you're exploring different aspects of your, of what your own, struggling with um so when i wrote a rom-com a lot of it was about not a lot of it i mean in a sense i was working out my own hang-ups about how i thought about relationships mm -hmm. writing this slacker movie i mean i'm very early in the process but i am expecting and hoping that in at the end whether whether sirena is an immigrant female or if she's exactly like me or if she was a white guy <laughs> Almost no matter how I would be writing right, it, right, right, it would be about. It's going to end up being about the contradictions and how the struggles I have when I think about, yeah, how do I balance, quote unquote, working hard and fulfilling mm -hmm. the responsibilities with, I guess, the feeling of being taken advantage of and exploited, right. and like, mm -hmm. and like, and 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 also just the tendencies of being a workaholic which i think yeah are rooted in that um absolutely so anyway that's i think i think sometimes i don't know i i can't speak for other writers but 
I would find it very hard to write as somebody who wasn't aware that you're just writing your own internal demons on the page right. and by demon or, or your internal struggles, which we yeah. all have, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So anyway, I keep but taking us on these side winding. That, that is totally <laughs> fine. I, I love, man. I, and I knew this was going to be a good conversation. This is why I'm so glad it's you as my first one, because I had a bunch of questions, but I was like, ah, we just, we'll just let it ride. Uh, I feel right. like, I feel like with writing, I love what you said, um, that it's all you on the page. And I think that's my biggest hang up about the, you can't write about other people who aren't you because yeah. it, it basically says that you're one thing and you can only be that one thing, especially as a writer. That's, that's super limiting. You know, we're human beings. Like we can imagine anything and to say that I can't, I can't explore somebody else's experience. I, I don't, I don't think that's, I think that's just, I think short-sighted. I, I don't think, I think there's a lot of fear there because of the current culture. And in my last newsletter, just last week, I talked about cancel culture. Yeah, I read that. Um, yeah, I, read I, that. I talked about that. And I wasn't necessarily thinking of this thread, but it fits um, because I think that's the fear. I think right now, a lot of people are afraid to write anybody who's other because they don't want to hear it. Oh, you're a white man. Why are you trying to write from the perspective of a black woman? How do you know? But I, but I'm like, so I can't try and empathize with somebody else. I can't try. And, it, you know, I, as someone who's traveled so much, I've traveled so much. I speak three different languages other than English. Um, a lot of my headspace is taken up by people's experiences experiences that are not mine that are that are yes. not quote unquote mine like that i'm a black right. male from texas in the u.s i'm like what type of story would that be if i wrote a novel and there were only black men from texas i think that would be right. a very boring novel i think nobody would want to read that i mean i'm sure there's ways you can make it interesting, well that i don't know i'm sure you'd make it interesting but i could find I know, a way but to I know make it interesting saying. but you know what i'm saying right you know like we have this rich tapestry the world is so big. People think I one of my favorite things as a writer is there's so many ways that people think that are so alien to me. And I I'm actually drawn to them instead of like, oh, it's so different. It's so weird. I'm like, I, I want to understand like how you think like that, like how what your world must be like, what shaped that? What what were your experiences like? How do you see the how do you move through the world with that viewpoint? And these are just, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but these are people that think differently than I do. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have the opposite. They are afraid of, of perspectives and things that are not like them. And so yes. they're like, I, I can't even go there. So you shouldn't either. And I feel that I, from a yeah. lot of writers who, who say this. I'm going to add to your point, but then I also, if there's time, I, I think it's worth, I do kind of want to give a little bit more context to the other, the person we're talking about to that point of view. Sure. Um, sure. Not, I was going to say to be like devil's advocate, but it's not even devil's advocate. It's like, I think so, but before I want to like, I want to appreciate what you just said because it's true. And I have yeah. the same experience as well. Like in my mind, if I'm writing, uh, say if I'm writing Sirena and she, you know, 
I am an immigrant like her, but I did not immigrate the way she's going to end up immigrating in the story. Right. We do not share the same socioeconomic background. Right. We do not share the same gender. Mm -hmm. But I do think that Sirena, Sirena is like, will be a part of me personified. And I, I do believe very strongly that we are all, that there is somewhat of a, that there are like common human threads. 100%. 100%. And that like, there's nobody, I've never met anybody in the world who I couldn't find some sort of resonance with Absolutely. in terms of like, hey, the way you, you've had an experience and maybe the way you experience it or the particulars are unique to you. Mm -hmm. but that feeling like i know that feeling mm -hmm. um and mm -hmm. i think that that's what's a beautiful thing i love watching you know movies from other countries or whatever mm -hmm. because there's that dynamic that we were just talking about where it's like mm -hmm. you're you're maybe drawn in it's almost the opposite you're maybe drawn in because you're interested in like oh man like what's like iran like if i'm going to mm -hmm. watch a movie Absolutely. from iran right mm -hmm. but then you kind of stay because the what they're going through in a way does can be you can trace it back to yourself one way or another Absolutely. like the same still like you know basic relational maybe conflicts yeah family you know there mm -hmm. is there is a common human quality and i think you're right i mean i think that if i i'm totally with you that like uh i feel like everyone should have the right i i even i'll say as a right to like explore maybe what it would be like to live a story as like another identity absolutely with all that said where this mm -hmm. person i think is coming from i think the mm -hmm. context is that they are writing in criticism of like the movie and the tv industry as a whole right mm -hmm. and i do i think if they were here they would say this and i would agree that like yes keith you're right mm -hmm. but that whole argument of we're all human Mm. and we can all should be able to relate to one another mm. is the argument then the studios would make to justify only hiring mm. white writers absolutely right? and, yeah and, yeah and so that's like, true and, that's and, true and that's that. i think yeah i i i don't know i don't want to i don't like speculating whether someone actually believes what they said or not but part of me is like maybe they don't believe it that harshly but they mm. feel like they need to put this edict out there mm -hmm. as a way of almost like going more extreme than they usually would so that like people feel maybe like, Hey, maybe I should hire right. writers of a, and, and I do think that makes a difference. And, you know, mm. I worked in uh, advertising and I see what you're would, saying. People would try to pull this all the time. I'm like, Hey, we want to make something for like a certain audience, but mm -hmm. we don't really want to spend the money to hire like a writer. Mm -hmm. So could you just be like a consultant and give us a thumbs up or down? Mm -hmm. um, but because you know at the end of the day we're all human right and we can like all relate it's universal stuff mm -hmm. but there is i will say that uh especially when if, if people like have, the thing is like i don't have the budget like that's why i, feel I know weird. like i want to find somebody exactly. to like yeah man. be a co-writer but like I, I won't even be able to really pay them so i mean yeah. it, it's going to be tricky like i have to find somebody who'd be as fired up about the story as i am or or maybe yeah. i could it's Maybe really go fund me to pay like a co-writer, right? But like if but if you're a big studio, I do kind of get a sense, not that they shouldn't let like say white male writers write like uh something like turning red, mm. but 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 they there need to be it the the pro if you're gonna write about like uh 
an, an Asian Canadian girl in Toronto turning red. That's like the, you would, mm -hmm. you would be, I mean, and you have the resources, right? You would be stupid not to hire somebody Absolutely. from that background to be yes. part of the decision-making team. Yeah. And to I their agree. credit, I mean, the, the woman who directed it is like, you know, she, she, I think she brought the project. So it's not the greatest example, but so I, I did want to put that out there in terms yeah. of like, I think this person is not trying to necessarily bully people out of like, okay, stepping out of their experiences. Yeah. The thing is, though, though, that when I read it, though, I mean, it, I think, uh, I think unintentionally, that is how it kind of comes across where comes. like I wrote yeah. it and I was yeah. like, damn, like, should I just not even try writing this stuff? And that that's why mm. I said like very deliberately, I use the word I chose to disagree with that because I like I'm like, I'm writing this story. I right. I'm going to do it. At you the know, end I want to write it and I want to and maybe and maybe it'll come out shitty because I didn't have enough first direct right. experience, you know, but um, but I, I do when 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 in doubt, I will definitely err on the side of not discouraging anybody from exploring things that's why yeah. there's a whole another thorny thing we won't get into it but that's why like when people talk about appropriation oh, i think my yes. def my definition mm. of what appropriation mm. it, of what it of what counts as acceptable quote-unquote and not mm -hmm. is much more broad i think like oh yeah for that reason because i i do think that like that um that sh shutting down say like cultural exchange and conversation yeah is and appreciation is never yeah good. i don't oh um, that word i feel like like a lot of words it has been corrupted um in a lot of ways because when yeah. you bring it up it, it has this negative connotation and and it is a generally negative word but cultural appropriation right like it's like you're stealing somebody's culture and i i think yeah. there are people that would say i'm culturally appropriating japanese culture by learning so much japanese yeah yeah you know probably, and so yeah and, and i think that that's just an extreme it's just yeah i i don't like that because you're right at, at the end of the day it discourages exploration it discourages right. empathy it says you can't even try to try and understand now there's definitely a spectrum to this right like on so, one end you have like learning a language the other end you have like blackface or something like that right or if you were like <laughs> you let's know? say if you were um if you were i'm as i was saying this i'm not even sure this is that bad but let's say if you like were learning like um so i don't know some calligraphy style Right. And then making you had someone teach you calligraphy style for cents on the dollar, not realizing how much that could sell for in the U.S. And you're raking in millions of dollars off of like knowledge that you just kind of acquired. But yeah, without crediting the people or or helping them even like share in the wealth. Mm. I, I'm open to saying that's that's inappropriate, like mm. uh, appropriation, let alone like. If somebody just straight up like steal songs or like when people steal intellectual property that's a whole right, different thing yeah that's one side and i and that's where i'm like very open like when people say because mm -hmm. i was arguing with somebody about you know the beatles made this awesome album after taking a trip to india and they were in, mm, you know yeah, they were that's uh, right. i remember that and they and i'm like would we like i'm glad that album exists but then somebody made a good point of like it would have been even more awesome if they had like 
collaborated with the people who taught them that music, made an mm. album and had them share in with the, you I know, and kind of like made it. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a good point. So I could, I'm open to that. But then where I'm not open to is like, when a girl goes to the, you know, a little teenage girl, blonde girl goes to the Caribbean, comes back with cornrows and people are just like, right, right. Yeah, I'm like, come yeah. on, man. I mean, sure. It might look goofy, but like, it's, it's a just somebody who thought she thought it was cool. And it's she's a haircut, trying to, trying you know? like, you know, it's like, I call that more like appreciation. I know. And that's yeah. what I think, you know, like, I, I like that. One one man's appropriation is another man's appreciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that line. Um, I just made it up. But I think yeah. it's true because you don't go to India and then come back and make an album if you don't appreciate the culture a little bit. Yeah. You don't find it yeah. cool or interesting or fascinating. Same with me. You don't go and live in Japan for several years and learn a bunch of Japanese for I mean, no it'd reason. be weird if you didn't. No. It'd be weird if you didn't right. take anything away from living in Japan. You know what I mean? Right. Lived over I would here for question, so long. Like, I would question, like, like, yeah, it'd be like very, like, weirdly ethnocentric to be like, exactly. I'm going to live in Japan for a bunch of years and I'm going to refuse to uh, to take up anything of the things they do here or adapt or adopt any of the things right. they do in their culture or any of the food. Yeah. I mean, I, I get, I'm not saying that. I think there's people who make like a sincere argument against mm. like the more exploitative forms of appropriation. I think so. Yeah. It's just it's just hard. Like with anything on with the anything. internet, with anything, the nuance gets lost, and then it suddenly we're here does. talking about yeah, yeah. And I think it's spectrum. the same with like you know my friend uh, who wrote a wonderful book about. I should probably just. Their name is uh Jess King, mm -hmm. and like their the 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 title of their book is um. It's a little bit academic and I forgot it at the moment, but it's something like inclusive screenwriting. Mm. And it's a if you're if anybody is at all into screenwriting and they've read all the manuals, the Robert McKees and all the all the classic manuals, this mm. book the like challenges a lot of that conventional thinking and it's amazing. It's really good. Mm. So it's worth it. I'm just saying, like, I think it's one of those things where they might make an argument for for hiring more diversely in the writer's room but then i think as with a lot of these things then people a lot of people might not look into it so deeply and just be mm. like oh you know what you're just not allowed to ever write a character that right. doesn't share your identity which right. is why what i think kind of has happened with the appropriation stuff yeah. um just being yeah. you know not i didn't i didn't expect or mean to make the the podcast take this turn and like get into all that but but uh it's fun yeah. man it's it's cool yeah. i'm glad we're actually like having a real conversation about it and not tip tiptoeing around it yeah um, yeah because this is a big part of what it means to write and especially you're working on this story right now um i'm really happy you shared it with me and people that are listening to this um what are your kind of final thoughts like what's what's next for big quit energy i know you've got the spring screenplay going on but what what's your next move oh that's such a good question um someone trying to like figure that out i think i've i ironically given that big quit energy is about not being a work humper i sort of forced myself this year to publish once a week good. and it was very good nice. for me yeah um and i'm glad i did 
I'm trying to decide whether to keep that rhythm up or not. It's because the thing is like Bitcoin energy is like almost like the analytic. It's like in the analytic, an analytical part of my mind. Like mm. you're maybe like analyzing culture, you're writing, yeah. you're kind of thinking about. And I like that. But I've been sort of, especially now that I'm going to try to actually write, like write out the screenplay. Mm hmm. I've noticed like, man, like the slacker fest, it, it put me in a lot of analysis mind and I need to kind mm -hmm. of like, now I need to get into more like crazy mind of like, mm -hmm. where like, I'm not just analyzing and, and things to death, but just kind of like letting things pop off. Yeah. But with Bitcoin energy, it's almost like broadly, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, um, once I stop doing the slacker, once slacker fest runs its course, I think people can still expect at least once a month or so, like an a a, 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 a an honest as you know, like a classic kind of like analytical essay where maybe we talk about some sort, some aspect of work culture or assumptions mm -hmm. that people have. Because yeah. I love thinking and writing about stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, as far as what would the rest of the content would be like. I kind of want to maybe see if if I get a little bit crazier, maybe put more illustrations up or just nice. be like, hey, I, 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 I made this little illustration. I, I love designing T-shirts. I sell them yeah. on the site. Yeah. I'm not that great at it, that. to be honest, but it's like just something I love like doing. So I guess long story, I guess like a succinct answer to your question is like what's next is. I'm going to try to find a rebalance between things that I know people like reading, like, like the work culture essays yeah, and stuff that probably no one has asked for. Right. That I just want to do. Yeah. Like, um, drawings, art. Yeah. Poetry. And then I do, I, I do intent of unpublishing like pages of the screenplay as I go rough nice. pages. Nice. Because I've like done that. other people do that on their newsletters, yeah, and I, if nothing else, it's a good way to to keep myself somewhat on track. Because yes. by the way, aside from the watching the slacker movies, I haven't touched the story side of our this screenplay in two months. Mm. So I'm like, okay, if I if I get to a point where like people are somewhat expecting for me to put five or ten pages up, um, at least every couple of weeks or once a right. month, um. I think I can use the blog also as an 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 accountability tool, but also at the same time, I think it is interesting. I mean, I would love if like Martin Scorsese had a blog where he was putting in notes and production notes, mm. and like so. I do hope that that is also interesting to at least a subset of people, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's I think that what I'm trying to to balance is like. How much like inside baseball into writing a soccer movie, how much art content mm -hmm. versus how much just like writing about the definition of labor versus work or the definition of a work mm -hmm. comfort, you know, and like more <laughs> of like the essay type stuff. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard because I think the people who enjoy the the inside baseball are a minority. Yeah. But they're like a very enthusiastic minority. Um and then, and I just also enjoy kind of like the more in art, artsy kind of side of it. It's almost like um, you need to segment those things off. Like when you said, like yeah. the hardcore people who like like the slacker fest and the movie analysis yeah. and all this stuff, you need to say, okay, here's 
Delvado's analysis newsletter and you can yeah. find dollars or whatever. And then everything else is just on Bigfoot Energy. That that's yeah, maybe. Kind of my... Actually, yeah, maybe. I would say especially right now I've sort of been able to compromise between the two by just not posting that much. Like if I post once a week, right. that means there's a slacker post once a month. And I'm like, okay, right. you don't like the slacker posts, you can tolerate once a month if the other right. three are like so then there's like a podcast interview here and then there's mm-hmm. some essays there. You start, I start running into trouble when like, I'm maybe I haven't produced a good, like an essay in a mm-hmm. while. And I'm like, okay, now I have a backlog of Slack. Mm-hmm. So if, anybody who's been reading the blog, if you don't like the Slacker posts or the podcast, it's been a bad two months for you on Bitcoin Energy because like I've just been publishing a backlog of this stuff. Because yeah. it's easy. What What's easier about the Slacker for example, or having a format that has the same sections mm-hmm. is that you can write it somewhat modular. Exactly. Or like yeah. writing an essay, you're always writing it from scratch. Yeah, and it's, it's a continuous. New from scratch, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I didn't answer your question. So what's next for Bitcoin Energy is like, I'm not quite sure, but I do want to bring, I think I want to like incorporate more of like the creative, let's call it creative writing, creative mm-hmm. screenwriting side of it um, without necessarily losing like the essay analytical part. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to work out what would be like the, a sustainable kind of like cadence for all that, like a sustainable rhythm. Right. Yeah. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe if I do, like if I start writing like say five pages a week, mm-hmm. I will definitely segment it out. Right. Um, because I think that's kind of like if if you're not trying to read that, if you're not if you're not there for the screenwriting, and I think most people are not, yeah, that might be a bit much to like get it into like the to have you be like getting emailed once a week. I might you're right. right. I might like have an opt in separate sort of like I think Substack lets you do uh, newsletters. Yeah, they do like, mm-hmm. like separate mailing lists. Yeah. Uh, but also, but there's also the chance that I I might just not be writing on it quite as much maybe i'll write mm. on it every two weeks right um it's hard because i've i enjoy it it's very gratifying yeah but especially like once i start working full time again yeah you know it's you know we're only one person you know and yeah. it's it's hard to i'm sure you run into this too like oh yeah as much as as we're it's hard it's always a risk when something gets rewarding Mm-hmm. especially because Bitcoin energy has an audience you know and you're like mm-hmm. oh yeah like i gotta make sure i keep publishing on that mm-hmm. and keep writing about work culture but then it's like that takes away sometimes space and energy from whether it's working on the screenplay or drawing or other stuff that you know i'm i might want to do other creative ventures so mm-hmm. it's the struggle is real, man. I... It's it's a little bit, yeah, it's contradictory because it's a very rewarding thing and it's finally now starting to catch some some, yeah. some momentum. Yeah. But it's also like, okay, how do I, just like with a job, with a day job, mm-hmm. like I love the money, but how do I keep this from taking over my entire life? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, but um, but I, I will say I appreciate that people read it, mm-hmm. including you. Yeah, I love, you know, I appreciate. So I do like people hate Substack and I'm sure it will become awful. But Substack, <clears> I think, is a. have enjoyed how it helps. I have like developed good friendships 
the discovery is really good i understand why people they they can be kind of pushy when it comes to like their new features and stuff but i mean the the interface is smooth um unlike you know I feel like medium used to be kind of smooth, but now it's just kind of clunky, but Substack, I mean, the fact that you can kind of semi own your list on there is really nice. I love the, the sharing features and then you can comment. There's just a lot of good features that it has that makes it easy. Yeah. And the people on it. I mean, I'm sure Substack, I have no doubt that Substack is going to go to hell at some point, but, but it hasn't yet. You know what I mean? And right now I think it's like the best time personally because um it's like a it's almost like twitter but long for long form so like exactly. you're, you're right it yeah. helps you discover people but i've i really like like i i like your twitter feed a lot but mm-hmm. your twitter feed is kind of a little bit different because you do kind of get relatively longer form on there yeah. compared to like you, most people are just like firing off zingers mm-hmm. but i think in a sense when you want to really if you're like okay keith is an interesting person mm-hmm. And I want to explore their thinking like Substack is nice for that because it's yeah. like, OK, I might not be hearing from you every day. Right. But if I hear from you once a month, it's mm-hmm. like I get to like dive deep, really you dive deep. into like what you're thinking. Right. And then you can comment. And so right. I've True. I've made some like. You and I knew each other before Substack, but it doesn't mm-hmm. quite. But there's people who I've been able to meet because they subscribe to my newsletter and I subscribe to theirs later mm-hmm. or vice versa. And uh, yeah. And it's been like cool to meet people, but you're not, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, you, you, you meet them in a, through a format that's like a very unique for the internet. Right. And it's, you know, where they're like, okay, I'm meeting you through like this really long winded thing you've been thinking about (laughs) and not no hate against Twitter. I can't hate on something that I'm just bad at. Uh, I'm I'm not good at Twitter. But in, in Twitter, you're you're getting to know everybody through like zingers. I know. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, you are uh, like yeah. the exception to that. You like put long threat. And you're not the only person, but like, but, you know, yeah. you, you share about what you've been working on. So I love right. that. But for most people, it's a like it's on Twitter, you're just firing zingers. But on Substack, you're pouring your heart out. And right. I kind of I like that your Substack is sort of the social network right now where people pour their hearts out a little bit more. Right. That is true. Yeah. You get in the side of of x twitter that it's just like it's just bros bro 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 yeah yeah or just yeah i don't oh know my God. whatever yeah <laughs> anyway but no nah, man this is a good conversation um damn i feel like we could talk for hours yeah we can um, do we'll do another one and i kind of want to have you back on bqe at some point yeah man, bring me um, back I'd when i start a new back. season um because yeah. uh even what we talked about the whole AI thing, like even since we talked, it's like it's always so different, you know. It changes, oh, um, it's but changed yeah. so much. But yeah, yeah. man, I'm I'm glad we talked writing and creativity. I honestly did not know that you were because I knew you had like a full time job and you did other stuff and you kind of did mm-hmm. big quit energy on the side. But I didn't know you were like such a like creative like writer type thing because you talk on big quit energy it's mostly like the work culture things and things like that so yeah. i was like oh okay you come you came off as kind of this uh person who was working a more corporate job but then you're yeah. like branching off into creativity but it turns out this is your wheelhouse you live here i get it thank you <laughs> thank you for saying that i mean i i, I, I get i it's weird because there's a little bit of 
I've never done it for a living. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's like part of me is like, is it really my wheelhouse? But mm. but yes, I've, I've I've given myself permission to at least in terms of screenwriting, I've mm. I give myself permission to to do that stuff and identify as that a long time ago. What's right. been fun was been fun about the quit energy and just the last year in general is like I've increased and actually in large part because of you, to be honest, of seeing kind of how mm. you've been doing it is I've allowed myself to, I've granted myself that same permission in other domains, such as drawing or even mm. like, like beat making yeah, uh, yeah, areas where I'm way like, I'm awful at it. Right. <laughs> Whereas uh, with screenwriting, at least the, the thing with screenwriting is I've been doing it long enough yeah. that I, at least I know some, some, the basic theory, I have like a good yeah. sense of narrative. And at my job, I actually kind of, even though I wasn't writing scripts, you are still thinking in narrative terms. So mm. I, I guess I'm, well, yeah, happy to have you discover that. Yes, like I, I do like, uh, I, I do kind of like have at least some years of experience in yeah. thinking about screenwriting and trying that out. Um, I wasn't, to answer your question again about what's next for Big Quit Energy, one mm. way you I could answer that could be to 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 say I'm gonna let a little bit more of that into the blog. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a natural progression when you start writing. I hadn't I hadn't really written online before that, and um, you know I use a pseudonym and everything, so there was a lot of like I'm only gonna write about certain things and only gonna let certain parts of myself into here. I don't I don't want to bore people with my screenplay shit. I don't want to bore right. people with this or that or. Or maybe I don't want to be vulnerable by showing some creative work I made. So um, if you were to go back to the early entries of Bitcoin Energy, which I don't even really recommend, to be honest. But if you were, you'd see that it was only like musings about work and work culture, which is yes. cool. It's stuff I wanted to think about. And I still mm -hmm. like thinking about it. But I think that now I'm starting to get more, a little bit more comfortable with just like, hey, yeah. But also, I like to do some creative stuff. And as long as I can tie it somewhat loosely to work culture, then I will be putting that on here and it will be a little bit weirder and yeah. a little bit more of other sides of me. And, and I think that, in essence, that's what I'm most grateful to having done Slacker Fest for. And mm. because it sort of was. I think it started as like, hey, I'm just going to publish these analyses and not even tell, you know. Yeah. And then I thought, what? why? Let's just tell people that I'm trying to write a slacker movie. Why not? Mm -hmm. And then that has turned into sort of like, I've only done one post like this, but it turned into, hey, here's the treatment of the movie as it is right now. Here's a little mm -hmm. doodle I made to go along with it. Yeah. Um, I would love any initial reactions or feedback. And then, you know, some people do write in with them and it's useful. Yeah. So yeah. I think it also helps make it a, a less lonely process so yeah. i'm going i think i think what's next for bitcoin energy might just be like being a little bit more open about my the stuff the creative stuff i'm working on that's related to it right. and hopefully maybe even one day just if i never use my real name i'll just kind of like be much more open about it might I, I could see it one day branching off into being not just about work culture and maybe right. more about other aspect areas of life as well. But yeah. Um so I guess that's it. And I and I would say like 
if anybody's like thinking about or doubting about whether to be more open or not with like in their newsletter about yeah. other aspects of their life. I mean, I don't know. I, the jury's still out on like my experience, but I will say this, like, even though I know that that less people are interested in the slacker story side of it, yeah, the people who are have been super supportive and given like nice feedback. And like, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's a, it's about, it's about quality, not quantity, I think, in most of these things. And it and it yeah. does help the project, you know, and, and the internet is such an awesome resource. Um, yeah. and again, I said that you seeing you and how you operate online sort of helped thank you encourage me because it's like, why not? Why not just be like, hey, I wrote a right. I made a I I used AI to make a song for this episode of uh mm. Serious Limnik. So I'm mm. going to uh I'm gonna fucking post it up. Right. Whoever thinks it's cool and whoever is, and if you don't think it's cool, that's fine because I also post about other stuff. So right. you, in a sense, seeing you, uh, Thank helped you. me get more comfortable with the idea of like, why not just put this treatment out here and see what happens. It, it feels so good to to hear you say that, um, because I definitely don't get that. <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm writing about and posting all these things that people like don't know anything about and don't care anything about, like learning Japanese and things like that. Mm -hmm. There's just not a lot of people who are interested in this uh, language learning. My science fiction podcast has gotten some traction, but um, like I posted a, almost a complete trailer of the entire book yesterday and mm. a lot of people watch it, but it gets no likes. So I'm like, yeah. well, at least they watched it. So that's... <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what that's a good thing, but well, no, I'm, I'm it's just good guilty. to hear. I'm, I'm sort of that. guilty of that, and when it comes to your yeah. Japanese content, I always read it because, like, I have a family member who's half Japanese and I've been learning oh, like nice. very basic just to like goof. Good She's like you. four years old, so oh, like, I, oh. I, I'll like scold her in Japanese just to mess with her. Um, nice. so I've been, I've been so, but that I'm a classic case of oh, I, I see what you're up to in that, yeah, yeah. Uh, and see if I could take tips or tricks, but I don't really comment or maybe, yeah, I, like yeah. I don't know, but I don't comment because it's in that, in that case, it's cause it's, I'm like, Keith is like way so far. I know the game it's super that I like, I have nothing that I have nothing to, I have nothing yeah. to contribute besides just like, sweet. I'm going to like, this is cool. I'm going to try to use this. But, hey, so uh, it's you, so, so it's you, you're one of the ones passing by and not like it. What's going no, on? It here? might be, uh, it might be, I feel like I like it. I don't know if I do or not, but the lack of engagement, I think, sometimes is like, I don't know. I because, dude, don't I publish, I publish things I whether know. it's slacker or not, and like, yeah, uh, en en engagement is hard to come by. It Validation is, is hard, hard to come by, right? Man. But yeah, I try to I remember, like, know. no, I mean, like, there's a lot of. I try to remember how much I lurk and get value out of things. Exactly. Uh, and I think, okay, hopefully, there's lurkers out there getting something out of it, and you know. Who says I have to ever know about it? <laughs> that is absolutely true, man. You're and you're absolutely yeah. right. I think it's any creative endeavor, and that's part of the the creative being a creator game, at least in this era, right? You have to get used yeah. to just putting stuff out and hearing crickets. You know, like you may not even see impressions. You may just put something out, and I know that's the way it is with Facebook. I post a lot of stuff on Facebook sometimes because yeah. a lot of the military community is on there, and. I don't see any impression counts. I don't know who looked at it. I only see likes. And so it's just one of those things you just have to get used to. Okay, I'm going to work on the next thing now. I'm going to get yeah. ready for the next thing. You just get in that mindset.
I know we've gone so over time, but I just, I guess as a closing thought yeah. to what you're saying, if anybody came into this podcast, hoping to get like BQE content type and, and ended up like hearing about screenwriting and is like, I know. Hell, yeah. Right? I will say that is like, that is one of the say uh, what I would call work humper attitudes or expectations mm. that I have in me that I'm yeah. trying to, to somehow maybe tr- train myself or like yeah let it go ther- self therapy myself to let go mm-hmm. of which is like the sense that how can i put this a work a work humper assumption would be that you're only doing important work if you're getting mm-hmm. tangible validation and yes. and tangible sort of proof yeah. in mm-hmm. the form of whether it's a high salary or lots mm. of likes or lots of engagement, right? Right. right. And I do think that that, the, I think that that then will neg- that negates people who do things that have a lot of impact, mm-hmm. but that all that but that fly under the radar to the point where they might not even know how much impact they're having, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. And it's an it's kind of like a tricky thing because. Sometimes I worry like, well, maybe if I write about something and I never get any likes, I'm mm. sure I'm like helping somebody when in reality, maybe I'm just refusing to like maybe tinker or make it. There is thing, definitely right? that. Yeah. So there's, there's that the, side of it. There's the but there is. Yeah. But there's a but there's the other side. But I do think it shouldn't get lost. And I guess what I would say is like, if you feel called to do something and you're like, for your example, just using you as an example, if you really in your heart, you get feel you're you're called to do the Japanese content, right? The mm-hmm. Japanese learning. Yeah. And you as long as you get something out of it, as long as you enjoy doing it, right? right. Then it's not a waste. And if you never get any likes from it, chances are, though, because you're not that unique, right? Mm-hmm. So chances are, if you are Absolutely. feeling called to do it and you're and you're enjoying putting that content out there, there's probably somebody who's getting a lot out of it. Right. Even if they're they're not the type of person who's going to go out and be very vocal about, right? The, you know, and um, and that's why I think that's something where that I've been thinking about a lot, mm. and I think a big part of defining what having big quit energy is would be being comfortable with doing what calls to you, mm. without being comfortable with the idea that you may never get any credit or right. validation from it. Hey. Um, yeah, but. But that's where, like, I think the trick is as long as you enjoy doing it and right. you get something out of it. And this filmmaker I really admire, Melvin Van Peebles, uh, kind of like the Spike Lee before Spike Lee was a thing. Mm. Um, he had this quote I love, which is like, I make my movies the way I cook my food. I just make sure that I find it tasty. That way, if no one else finds it tasty, at least I'm enjoying the meal. I like that. And if you would watch his, if you watch his movies, you would get what he's talking about because they are not very accessible. Wow. But the guy, but you can tell the guy is just like, you can you you can tell it, it means a lot to him, mm-hmm. right? He's passed away. I don't know if he was ever financially successful or not or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm not trying to like glorify being a martyr and like yeah, a, a working obscurity. Yeah. But at the same time, I do think that there is, as long as I guess it's my long-winded way of saying that <laughs> if 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 you are past, let's say you're a passionate filmmaker and you make your movies and you never get any credit for them hmm. and you and you can never make it your day job, 
but you but you legitimately really enjoy making your movies and you get right. a lot of the process of making them and you get a lot of the process of rewatching them then there's no shame in having lived a life where you had a day job that you didn't like that allowed you to make these movies yeah. because especially now in the era of the internet mm-hmm. um I still think that that's quote unquote important work, even if it doesn't have the appearance of having been important. Absolutely. Somebody will bump into it. Some it's going to mean a lot to somebody and you just may never hear about it. Right. That's just you part know? of it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the fact that, I mean, you just told me now you're like, Hey, I, I look at your Japanese stuff. I'm like, you're the first person to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get a few, I get a few handful of likes every now and then, but, um, no, it is nice to know that somebody is appreciating because you're right. I do. Feel, it's one of those things that I don't know why I've gone over it so many times in my head. Language learning is not it's not a profitable niche. Mm-hmm. Typically, like a lot of people who are into like language learning, they tend to be younger and they're like mm. student status. You know, they're not going to pay for a twenty dollar, right, let alone right, a two hundred dollar right, right. course or something like this, you know, to learn your language, because there's so much information that's just free out there. Right, right, Um, right, right, right. So it's one of those things that I know, you know, like, my first book was about language learning, you're not going to get rich off of this niche. That's one of the reasons why I let it go. But then being over here in Japan, I'm like, well, I'm doing Japanese literally every day, like a lot of the day. And so Mm -hmm. I, I know there's people who are like, yeah, this is helpful, or at least if nothing else, it's inspiring to see an American guy who's going so yeah. far, he's not Japanese currently, but he's got to a high level of Japanese for no other reason other than the fact that he wanted to get to a high level. There's no other reason. Right. I and mean, I think seeing that um, really moves people. Um, I, yeah. I will have to cut it off here. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so I got to get ready to uh, go eat some dinner over here. It's dinner time over here. But yeah, man, dude. Vago, you get right. a heat, man. Every time we talk, I'm just like, <laughs> And now that I know that you're so like writing oriented, like I love the screenplay aspect because that's one of my things. Like that's one of the things that AI has unlocked for me is that I could make a movie. I could Uh, write a screenplay. I could make a video game. And I love like having those doors unlocked to where it's like, okay, maybe someday in the future. Um, I'll say this and I'll say this publicly on the record. When I start working again, I'm going to pay you to just, Give me like a little bit of a training in how you use, like, I want like a deep, I just, I don't know how we would des- de- design it, but I want, I just, I want you to like, I want to just like shadow you or somehow, so like, I want to, I, you do, you do a great job of like putting out how you use these tools, but yeah. I, I want yeah, I, I, I it, like, I think one of the first things I'm going to do is reach out to you to like, uh, and honestly, maybe if you want, you can make create content out of it for your oh, for your audience. But like, yeah. I do want to like, um, I I really appreciate how creatively you think about, um, about the creative process in general and about yeah. learning. Yes. And I think in a sense, you have a little bit of a big quit energy in you in that like oh, you're I like, I do. in in the sense of like that it's like okay. I mean, I'm willing, you're willing to use AI and let people fucking hate. But as long as you're having fun creating the way you're creating, yeah. there is no reason why someone should have to like suffer through all the minutia. And I've had like a really hard time 
Mm. Like I'm gonna not gonna lie to you right now. The the idea of putting my 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 synopsis into AI and having it write a script, it's like blasphemy. Mm. But I know it shouldn't be. It's like it's like I the little humper in me, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I yeah. do. I think uh, I will. Ne- maybe next time we meet, it'll be me. Maybe having you forcing me to make something using AI just to okay. see what it's like and like yeah. get out of that sort of hang up. Oh man, we uh, if, if I start on the AI writing tip, we can go for another no, yeah, no, hour, not, several no, hours. Yeah, we'll but, save it, we'll save it for the next we'll, time. We'll save it, but yeah, man, like it, because <laughs> the, I think that's the hardest thing with AI is you have to get to a place where you can feel something. Yeah. And not just the 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 output. Now, that's what a lot of people get hung up on. Oh, what it looks, the in, the generated image, the generated writing, whatever. Yeah. It's it's taking that creative process and literally turning it into a tool. Yeah. Like that's what you have to get your mind around. And it did take me a couple of months to understand how to use the tool, but then more of that mentality of, okay, this thing is taking what I am already thinking. And then it's just giving me another interface of back and forth, but it's giving me really good feedback, but I still have to go through this process to get what I want out of it. And it's a very, to where I, I feel like I am participating in the creative process. I'm not just pressing generate and getting something out. So, but we yeah, can, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait yeah. to learn about that more just by following you, but also like uh, more of a deep dive when, when uh, I get back to, to normal life. All Absolutely. right. Absolutely. But um, where can people find you, man? Big quit energy. Oh, what big else you got com. Yeah. Is the main place. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter if you if you like what you see. Um, I mean, I am on Twitter slash X under mm. just Big Quit Energy. Um, yeah. but I mostly just post stuff. I mostly just use it to post uh, stuff about um that's been on the blog. Mm. Um, or like loose thoughts every now and then. Like I said, I'm not great at Twitter. <laughs> and Big Quit Energy also on Instagram where I do uh. On Instagram, I will put sometimes like random artworks and stuff as well. Um, but those three places. But if you have to choose one, go to the Substack mm. and subscribe. And uh, please feel free. Like if you feel called to comment on the articles, reach out, email me. As Keith was just saying, it uh, it does mean a lot when like we hear about it if something does. And also yeah. like criticism, you know, because I want to like. Yeah. Yeah. You um, want to get better. I wanna, you want to get better so yeah. yeah find me on there substack and then when substack goes to hell if you're in my reading list then we'll we'll migrate you to the next platform um, hey whatever else whatever the next thing <laughs> the, the next uh vc funded platform we'll, we'll meet you yeah. over there all right thanks yeah. for listening and while you're at it also follow keith's follow keith's uh hey what's your substack called on substack it's called pyramid of ideas pyramid of ideas yeah yeah, yeah. follow us both because yeah Keith, Keith does some good stuff there too. I appreciate the shout out, man. And thanks so much for your time. Um, and thank you, listener, for listening to this episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope it was valuable for you. And catch you in the next episode of Making Mind. Yeah. See you later. And and uh, apologies for all the editing you're going to have to do, man. I'm sorry. Oh, no problem.